Welcome to the Professional Services Pursuit, a podcast featuring expert advice and insights on the professional services industry. I'm Banu Behbudi, and my guest today is Carrie Young, who is the VP of Strategic Solutions at Cority. Carrie's held various other leadership roles and has a ton of experience in scaling professional services organizations through cross-training and managing demand against capacity and resources and very creative skills optimization. So Carrie, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited about our conversation. I know the topics we're going to cover are top of mind just because of all that's going on in the industry, the great exodus, people leaving. We want to excite our people and we want to have contingency plans. So cross-training is critical to all of that. So welcome. Can we start with you giving us an overview of your professional background as a starting point? Sure thing. And thanks for inviting me to this. I really appreciate being here. So my background, I started off as a chemical engineer working in the chemical industry and was working with lots of data and realized that there was a big need for data management in a much better way than using Excel spreadsheets. And so I switched to the software industry about four years into my career and really worked with companies as a consultant to help them with their digital strategy and making sure that they had good data, good data sources in order to make informed decisions. And so that led me to working in the realm of project management in those types of projects and then moving on to leading a professional services organization and helping sell those digital strategies and and feed the team, basically. So that's the majority of my career, and it's, it's really centered around environmental health and safety data management, which has led me here to Cordy, where I am kind of in a dual role. I'm helping our sales team deliver or, or develop solutions and setting up our professional services team for success in their delivery. Excellent. Thank you. And I've had the luxury of working with you in a previous life. So it's great to be having this conversation with you. Carrie, I know when we were discussing topics, you mentioned that you really think that there are five key success factors to cross-training and expanding skill set within teams, whether that's professional services team or other applications. But I know you've had extensive experience within professional services cross-training. And we decided that that was the perfect topic, just because, again, as we mentioned earlier on, everyone is looking at creative ways of retaining their teams but also with everything that's happened in the last couple of years, we want to be creative in terms of how we want to back, we can backfill where resources leave or they're on sick leave, et cetera. So effective ways to expand skill sets is critical to that. So do you want to start out by whether it's the first success factor and just generally giving us some context and your thoughts on that? So in an ideal world, you'd be able to hire and train your entire staff from scratch. You wouldn't be working with an existing staff, but that is not reality today. You inherit a team of people that you then have to move forward with in whatever business context you have. So the difficulty is, do you have the right number of people for the solution areas that you're looking for? And most of the time, the answer is either, no, I don't have enough people, or I have too many people in one area and I need to train them in another area. So the very first thing you want to do is really understand what you have, what skill sets do you have and what are your needs based on your marketing strategy? And so mapping that out so that you understand where your gaps are is is critically important to how you go forward. 
Yeah, so there's quite a bit of complexity, I would think, around because there's two dimensions you brought up. It's both the individual, where they're at and where they want to go developmentally, but also where the business needs to go. And therefore, what are the synergies and what's the most logical place where an individual A can can go next that makes sense for them, but also makes sense for the business? So is that it seems like very complex to map out or is it, is there a way to look at this that simplifies it? Yeah, that's a good point. I think the passions of a person usually revolve around their strengths and you do have to separate the solution area that they may have a lot of hard skills around versus some of the softer skills that are required for professional services and put an equal amount of importance on those softer skills uh, so that they're not tied into one specific solution area, per se, and really help them understand some of the things that will help them progress in their career and become more marketable or a better leader. And it's not all technically based. And so there is a bit of a challenge there in helping them understand that their only strengths aren't those hard skills. That makes sense. And then, so what's the second one? Um second success factor from your sense. Yeah. So once you know what you have and where you need to go, it's really important to have a clear career path for each individual and have it documented such that they understand all of the hard skills and soft skills that they need to have and how those look at each level within the organization. So it's a career path or a career matrix that clearly spells out, if I get to this level of skill, in this area, it's going to be clear that I could be promoted. So you have this promotion path for them that they can use as a map for their careers. And and that career path should obviously match the needs of your business as well. So you're giving them a, a clear path and you're telling them what the business needs in order for the company to be successful. And I know in a previous life when you've developed this, it's a coordination where you develop the career path and you work closely with HR, right? Because then those get documented in the HR systems. There, there's a whole process where as you go through the rest of the factors, it basically all ties in. So it's coordination. Not It's not just developing the, the career path, right? But it's also making sure everyone within the organization leadership understands those paths and are bought in to the paths so that the commitment can be actually delivered. That's right. Yeah, you have to map to the systems that HR has put in place. So if they have grade levels or they have certain criteria for how they're going to allow you to promote, those all have to be built into your career matrix. So it is working with the business and you also want to hopefully work with other departments within your organization to do something similar so that you're not the only one who has a career matrix. So it definitely should be something that's coordinated holistically and have a lot of inputs from a lot of different parts of the business. One of the things on my career matrix is about collaboration with other departments. And as you progress in your career, you should have more and more cross-collaboration across departments and making sure that you're looking for efficiencies, not just within professional services, but holistically for the company. And so that's an example of how you're going to have to make sure that you're in harmony with those other departments as you're building out the matrix. And would you then also have a leadership, specific leadership path, meaning there are a subset of individuals that you you have a specific program to mentor them and prepare them for leadership? Or is that sort of a fallout from this process? No, it's absolutely important to have a different path for different types of people. 
the biggest example is there are people who truly want to be people managers and they want to mentor and coach. That's a passion for them. And that's a skill set that you have to develop. You have to have a, a passion for doing it and you have to have the skills to be able to do it effectively. And so you can create a path that's very much people management oriented. And then you can also have a path that's more technically oriented. There is a lot of in professional services, there's a lot of people that are very technical in nature and they don't want to be people managers. They want to learn how to be the best AWS cloud advisor there is. And so helping them understand how do I progress and get to the next level, get more money and still not be a people manager is a conversation that you have to have with them. And, and your organization has to support that as well, right? Like I could become a VP level person without having any people management skills, as long as I've developed expertise in my area, such that I'm an industry leader or an expert that the business can use to win more work and grow our business. So you absolutely want to have multiple branches to your career path to cater to those different needs of your team. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that there is there's different paths and it's going to be tailored to my strengths or the individual strengths and not progression doesn't mean you have to manage people if that's not what you want, but there is other paths that can define progression without having to be a people manager necessarily if that's not one of your strengths. So so that's fantastic. And that actually provides overall premium experience for all colleagues, right? Because it ensures that people who are people managers are really intended to be people managers and have the right skill sets to be the people managers, which makes the experience for the entire workforce much more pleasant. So third factor. So in this career matrix, you've basically said, I need people to know multiple solutions, for example. And so if you are able to learn a new solution area that we need to be able to deliver, then I'm going to promote you to the next level, senior level, for example. And so learning how to implement a new solution or be an expert in a new solution area takes time. So you, and, and it takes tools. So you have to give employees time to learn. You have to give them the tools that they need to learn. So having good documentation, giving them hands-on experience or exercises for them to practice on, using tools like we use Gong where I am, uh, where uh, every conversation that we have is recorded. So if you wanted to go back and learn about how something is discussed with a customer, you can go back to those recordings and hear the experts talking about that. Having a centralized collaboration site, so all of that material is easily accessible or some kind of learning management system where you can distribute the material is really important. But really, it's it's giving them the space and time and tools to be able to learn and understand that that's going to take some time and also acknowledge that they're going to make mistakes. So a lot of the time, we're looking at all of our metrics saying we have to be so billable. We can't have any non-bill time. We're trying to make our revenue numbers. But there are going to be mistakes when people are learning new things. There's always going to be mistakes, even if they're on their own topic. But we need to make them feel safe and secure that it's okay to make a mistake because you're going to learn faster from those mistakes and be a better consultant. So you bring up Gong. I know we use Chorus. And I find it to be a fantastic tool from a training perspective. I know when I joined Pintata, it was much more effective to actually watch the team in action as they were speaking to clients, et cetera, to really learn that way versus sitting in a classroom 
picking up material. So I agree, those tools are fantastic. And I love the, the thought that you've got to be a type of organization that fails forward without, without, you've got to just, it's okay to fail, but you've got to be able to understand and then learn from it and move forward. So to me that if you have that as part of your culture, then it makes it easy for the individual to feel safe and progress quickly. But what do you think about, again, in professional services, you've got, we've got targets, billable targets, but one of the, in my opinion, at least an effective way for people to learn is just put them in the job, right? So that they're being coached as they produce deliverables. And, but then that, that has impacts that could um, compromise your client experience, that could compromise your overall billability, et cetera. What do you think is the right answer there? Is there a right answer? I think learning on the job is the most valuable way to learn. So if you can get somebody plugged in and help have them helping with a project where they may not have the familiarity, again, allowing the time, you have to invest. You have to say, this is an investment. I'm going to write some of this time off because I know that it's probably not valuable for the customer. So you have to acknowledge that you're going to be writing some time off. You can also write in some estimates that include time to learn, right? So when you're building up your project estimates, don't assume that you're putting your best, fastest person on the project and and give them that space. So it's holistically planning out that we need some budget. We need some investment. We're going to allow this person some time to to get up to speed and accommodate for that in our business plan. So I absolutely agree with you that on-the-job experience is going to be the fastest way to get up to speed. And your fourth success factor is one of my favorite topics. Is is everything has to be tied to some level of incentive. And incentive isn't always monetary. Incentive is what motivates a person, whatever that outcome is that motivates a person. But so getting to your number four. Incentives that need to be aligned to your career path. And most of the time it is like, I'm going to give you a promotion or you're going to get this extra amount of financial incentive if you work on this. So that's where we go back to what you talked about earlier is being aligned with HR, making sure that your career path matches up against like what your expectations for promotions are. So I've been in organizations where promotions are based on tenure or popularity or other factors, but your promotions need to be based upon your skills and how valuable you are to the company. And so it's easy to say, and it's hard to actually implement, especially when you have people that are getting job offers and trying to leave and you're trying to keep them. If you hold the line and say, like, I have this expectation of you, if you want to be a senior level person or a manager or a director, this is what my expectations are. They're clearly documented in our career path. And you are meeting five of the 10 points in order to get moved forward. But we need to work on these other five things until you truly are going to be ready for this next role. And that's going to inspire people to learn new things and be better and have those skills if that's what they're wanting. And it's also going to help you with those tough conversations about promotions. Like, should this person be promoted or not? You have evidence of why they should be or should not be. And you're always going to have a bell curve. There's going to be people that are perfectly fine with not learning another solution and just staying where they are. And you also have to think about that too. So how do you still continue to make your business better with some people who are just okay with having one solution? And you're going to have to accommodate for the fact that not everybody is going to want to 
cross-train and learn more things. Yeah. And I think sort of building up on everything that you laid out, it's, it's the steps make logical sense, right? Because if you've got well-defined career path and you've got a means to develop the individuals, give them the time they need, et cetera, to, to move up that desired career path. And then you provide the incentive. But the point that you made around clarity is critical in my mind because individuals have to understand that this is not something that's on paper and just said, but something that is delivered. And therefore, when people, when individuals are successful at moving from X position to Y, because they have gone through that pathing, I would think that it's important to communicate that out so that everyone understands that this person is now a director because this is the path they've taken and that's how they've met that requirement. And so it's clear that that favoritism, other factors are not really playing into it, but rather it is what we've communicated, which is the career path you all know and and we've discussed, right? Yes, exactly. So you have a traceability of why that person's been promoted for those other people who maybe haven't gone out of their way to learn extra things or do extra things to make the delivery more efficient. Like you can point to the specific things that that person's done to deserve their promotion and make that case. And I think that's important from a morale perspective as well. The final uh, sort of success factor, if you have it, I think you're going to talk to us about coaching. Yeah, I think that everything I've talked to about so far is actually easy to execute. So it's easy to do these discrete activities to map your employees, create a career path, get them learning and aligning these incentives. What's hard is actually getting your management team to coach against that career path and spend the time with people to help them understand where are they on that matrix. These are the things that you need to work on in order to get to the next level. These are the things that I need you to be able to do in order to make sure that I have the ability to deliver against our customer needs. I talked about being a people leader before. Being a people leader does require a lot of time with people. And when you're delivering projects and meeting with customers and trying to keep your management happy, like having the time to devote to the people that are on your team to develop them is hard. It's hard to spend the time with them. And so that's what made them, that's why step number five is so hard is you need to have people that are, are truly passionate about developing their team that make it a priority to spend the time with their team to help them understand where they are and where, where they need to go and, and understand their passions and motivations. So coaching to the career path is this ongoing thing. You know, maybe you meet weekly one-on-one with that person and do short snippets, or maybe you're spending a, every month to go through the career matrix or once a quarter. But this continuous evaluation of where they are and where they need to be is part of that people manager's job and something that needs to continue on an ongoing basis. So what do you think, because the coaching you were referencing is the manage, the manager, the person's manager coaching them on that development path, which is critical. But what do you think about mentorship? programs, setting up mentorship programs. And what I mean by that is if part of my career path, my desired career path is, you know, I'm in professional services, but I'd like to make my way to product development, let's say. And therefore, maybe what makes sense is having a mentor in that organization or for other reasons, a mentor that actually aligns with where I'm going 
where I desire to go from a career path. What are your thoughts about mentorship and any tidbits on, on how to succeed in setting up a mentorship program? Yeah. So everybody has different strengths, right? So your direct career manager is not going to have every strength that you're going to want to be able to accelerate your career. So having somebody with different strengths coach you or mentor you, I think is absolutely a good thing. It helps everyone. People love to be mentors, right? You ask somebody to be your mentor, it's a flattering thing. The thing that you have to be careful about is that that mentor is working in tandem with your career coach, your manager, right? Like you don't want information like distracting or contradicting information coming from your mentor. It's coming from your career coach. So making sure that they're aligned and that you're working towards that path. So if it is, you're wanting to get out of professional services and go to product development or product management, that should be well known with the person that is doing your career coaching. And they should be helping understand who the best mentors are and working with those people to give you the best advice to move forward. So I think mentorships are great. It gives you multiple perspectives. It just it it can be dangerous if it's not done in harmony with with your career coaching. Yeah, and I and I also think that not everyone can be a mentor. So in that program, you've got to have people that raise their hands that are interested in being mentor, as opposed to sort of stepping people up and saying, "Well, you you'll be a mentor," because not everyone, similar to what you were saying before in terms of people leader, not everyone is built to be a, a, an effective mentor. And, and that in itself can be draining if you align a person that's not an effective mentor with someone being mentored. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah. So Carrie, thanks. It's been a great conversation. And I think the, the five steps you brought up are critical success factors are a great recipe to success in terms of cross training. I'd like to wrap up by asking my guests if they can tell me a good advice or coming back to the, to the mentorship, uh, a great mentor they've had in life and, and what has made them a great mentor and what was the type of advice that really helped form your career and, and, and your success? I don't know if it formed my career, but I think it was definitely complementary to my career. So I told you I have an engineering background. And when you're an engineer, you spend a lot of time designing things before you build them. So there's a design phase that goes into effect. And it was something that I applied, obviously, if I was building something from an engineering perspective. But I, I started to realize early on that design was important in everything. And the Deming Plan, Do, Check, Act like supports that. So I had all this validation that, you know, think before you do. But I had a mentor who, who verbalized in a way that I think made it so applicable to everything, not just engineering projects or projects in general. But he said, go slow to go fast. When you say that to people, especially if you just like messed something up, or you had a major mistake, you like you sit back and think, well, I just I didn't spend enough time thinking about it before I acted. And so for me, I always want to jump in and solve a problem and get things done and slowing down to think about the right solution before executing, I think is just universal. So I love that. I need to act on that advice much more as well myself. So it is a great advice. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a 
this has been great. As I said, it, I think everyone is uh, looking at ways to get creative in making sure that they retain their employees, but they also are prepared, have mitigation steps for having people step in and take responsibility. So thanks for sharing with us the five success factors. As always, thank you for listening to the show. If you have any follow-up questions or just want to connect, feel free to reach out to us at podcast at kentata.com. Thank you, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know by giving the show a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and leaving a comment. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, you can do so anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And to learn more about the power of Cantata's purpose-built technology, go to cantata.com. Thanks again for listening.